We're in the book of Acts today. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And you have probably heard this before if you've been around church, if you grew up in church, I'm sure that you've heard it. And the reason why you've heard it, whether or not you've been in and around church for a while, is because, is because these are the last words that Jesus spoke before he left the earth. So they're important. I mean, this, this is what he's leaving us with. And he says this, but you will receive power. You say that with me, but you will receive power. Get your preacher voice going, but you will receive power. Come on. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. He's walked the earth for 40 days after his resurrection and he's appeared to hundreds of people. And now here's Jesus standing on the Mount of Olives outside of Jerusalem with this very important message. It comes with a promise and it comes with a commission. And I want to talk about both today, but here is how I typically hear this message, probably how I've taught this message. I want to do it a little differently. I believe that most of the time we skip the promise and we go right to the commission. Most of the time we skip the promise and we go right to the to-do list rather than focus on the to-be list because we're all really good with the to-do list. Aren't you good at your to-do list? Most of you, some of you. Your spouse is good at the to-do list or you wouldn't be eating, okay? So somebody in your house is good at this. I mean, what's on your to-do list this week? I mean, think about it. I mean, somebody's got to clean up the house. Somebody's got to vacuum, dust, do the laundry, the bathroom. Somebody's got to do the grocery shopping. If you've got kids, you got to pack the kids' lunches. You got to make the meals. Then you got to clean up after the meals. You got to take care of the dishes, the kitchen. You probably have a honeydew list at your house if you're married. There's some type of thing that your spouse has said, you have to do these things if you want to live in this house continually. So you've got that list. You've got, as you go to your job, you've got your own self-generated list. And if you, if you have a boss, you have the boss's list. If you're the boss, you've got everybody else's list. There are lists everywhere. And then there are kids' activities. There are so many things piling in on us day after day after day. Is anybody a little bit upset at me for making you think about the list right now? Just a little bit? Is this your moment where like, listen, I'm coming to church. I don't have to think about the list. I'm doing church. I'm doing lunch. I'm taking a nap. And then I'll take care of other things. How many of you say your list is a little bit overwhelming? Like all the time, it just seems like there's, there's so many things, good things, many of them necessary things. But here's what's important. If we're not careful, the busyness of the to-do things in this life can relegate us to the sidelines while true meaning and purpose in life passes us by. And if you're not careful, following Jesus just becomes another list. I mean, we don't mean to make it like that when we give you a card and invite you to sign up for things that are on a list. But if we're not careful, following Jesus becomes like a list. I mean, go to church, check the box. Be in a group, maybe, check the box. Serve on a team in the church, check the box. Give from your financial resources, check the box. This week I was walking in the neighborhood with my wife and I had one of those moments where I'm just like feeling really inspired. I'm feeling inspired about life and about future and about possibilities and all the things we need to do in our home to raise our kids and places we can go together and all these things. And as we're walking, I'm making a list. I mean, I'm going down the list, ba-boom, 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 all these things. And somewhere in the middle of the list was prayer. And then I just keep on going. 
down the list over and over and over again. And my wife finally said, like to kind of maybe to shut me up, but also to bring this into a holy moment. My wife said, you know, one of the things on your list was prayer. Why don't we spend some time doing that and then we'll make the list? To which I'm thinking, well, I'm the pastor. I was going to say that, honey. But since, (laughs) since you beat me to it, I was so thankful that Angela in that moment brought me back to that and said, listen, let's spend some time just being in the presence of God and he'll show us what to do. And that's what the followers of Jesus did in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, after Jesus had given this promise and this commission. Acts chapter 1, verse 14 says, these all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. I love that it mentions that the women were there because after my walk with my wife this week, I'm assuming the women like said, guys, we got to go pray first. Don't you know that Peter was on the top of the Mount of Olives and when Jesus ascended into heaven, don't you know Peter was ready to go tackle everything he just said, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Come on, guys, let's go. I mean, the disciples were, were doers. They wanted to get out and do the thing, but before they could do anything, they had to come back and pray and wait on the promise that they had been given. The promise that would give them power. I want to talk about this word power for just a moment. The Greek word here, you may know this, word that is used for, you, for the word power is where we get the word dynamite. Jesus has said, but you will receive dynamite power. But understand this beyond that. Many times in the New Testament, this same word is used in the translation to mean miracles. Something supernatural happens. You'll receive power. You'll receive miracles. When a woman is healed in Luke chapter 8 and Mark chapter 5, Jesus says that the power left from him, it's the same power. Same power. Luke chapter 9, it's the power that Jesus says to the disciples, I want you to go into those villages. I want you to teach about me. I want you to heal. I want you to do everything you've seen me do. I'm sending you out and I'm sending you with power. The same power that you've seen leave from me at different times. The same power that allowed me to walk on water. The same power that allowed me to feed the 5,000. The same power that allowed me to heal that woman with that issue of blood. That's the same power I'm sending you out with. You will receive power, Jesus says. Pops up all throughout the New Testament, all throughout the scriptures. In Ephesians 1, starting in verse 18, the Apostle Paul uses it and he says this, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. This is where the Apostle Paul is saying, just stop for a second, just wake up. Wake up to this. Understand this, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his Come on, are y'all gone already? I'm, I'm, I'm five and a half minutes into this thing. What is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe? You got to do that with a preacher voice next time. According, it's coming up. According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age but also in the one to come do you understand what he just said the apostle paul just said this the same power that raised jesus from the dead giving him rule and authority above everything else in this world. He says, wake up to this. And I'm saying, Westridge Church, wake up to this. God's trying to wake me up to this this morning. Listen, wake up to this. That same power is available in your life. 
I mean, we're way out of the realm of dynamite at this point, but just so we can wrap our arms around this a little bit, let me ask it to you this way. How many of you could use a little stick of dynamite in your life right now, really and truly? How many of you could use a stick of dynamite right now in your marriage? Come on, hello. How many of you, your parenting could use a stick of dynamite right now? How many of you, your job, your boss, don't, not your boss, but your job, <laughs> don't hide dynamite in the boss's desk. Don't think about it. It's not from Jesus. How many of you truly, statistics are true, it's a lot of you in this room, maybe a majority of you, suffer from depression, fear, anxiety, all of us at certain points, uncertainty. And could you use just a stick of Jesus-infused, resurrection-laced explosive in your life right now? That's what Jesus is saying is available. You will receive power. The Pew Research study, Pew Research Group touted another study this week. It's, it's an awful study of how many people raised in the church are not only leaving the church, but now that they're leaving the church, they would say they never actually believed in Jesus to begin with. And according to the study, one of the main reasons why people raised in Christian homes are leaving Jesus in the dust is because the activities and the affections and the priorities of their house didn't look any different than the neighbor's house. The only difference was the neighbors got to sleep in on Sunday morning. And so people are walking away from the church and they're walking away from Christ because they don't see a difference. That's not the power that Jesus promised. I think we're suffering in the church from a major power outage. You ever sat through a power outage? I know that you have. I've had the power go out like in, in the big game moment. I mean, that is ha- that's a bad moment. When you power comes back on, you find out your team lost, you thank God for sparing you from that moment. But I mean, when the power outage first happens, like it's fun, right? We know what to do, especially if you're a parent, you know what to do. You get the candles out. We've actually got oil lanterns in our house that we can pull out every once in a while. And those are kind of fun. And, and we get the cards out and, and, you know, we get the boys around maybe on the bed or in the living room. And if it's, if it's winter, maybe we've got a little fire going and everything's great for about seven minutes. And then we need the power back like immediately. How long is the stuff in the fridge going to last? I don't know. Let's begin to eat together. And so we just, you wonder, but listen, this, this gets a lot more practical. You want to see somebody suffering from a power outage. You want to see anxiety in somebody's life. You watch as this little thing in the top right-hand corner turns red. Some of you have, I don't know what yellow means on this thing. There's a yellow one now. Have you seen that? That's like taunting me. What is that all about? Truly, some of you have the percentage where it's counting your life down to zero. I mean, you're at 50%. You're thinking, I might can get through the rest of the day and plug this in at night. But if stuff starts to happen on Instagram and Facebook, I am never going to make it through the day. And if you have got to find some place where you're going, like if you've got to drive somewhere, I don't know why the directions eat up all the power. You want to see people panic. Let this thing go completely dead. And we don't know what to do with ourselves anymore. These things have only been invented about, I don't know, six or seven years ago. And now it's like, how can we do life without this? 
How can I do life if I don't have power? Truly. How will I survive if I don't have power? I'm going to miss out on something if I don't have power. Can I tell you something? You cannot live and experience the Christian life without the power that Jesus promised. You can get a lot of things done. Truly. And we do them every day. You can get a lot of things done on the to-do list, but miss out on the power of Jesus. You can raise a family. You can come to church. You can serve in the church and miss out on life that's truly life. But Jesus promised power to his people. You will receive power, he said. And what a powerless, sidelined Christian life needs, stay with me, is a full dose of the Holy Spirit. Full on. And I may have just scared some of you for just a moment. But let me explain this. Jesus told his disciples it would actually be better for you guys if I leave and the Spirit comes. In John chapter 16, verse 7, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. He says, It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. That Helper is the Holy Spirit of God. But if I go... I'll send him to you. And he keeps on, verse 12, he says, I still have many things to say to you. You cannot bear them now. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, that is Jesus, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Jesus repeats something very important there at the end. He says, listen, all that God has given, all that the, that the Father God has is mine. And I'm sending you someone that's going to share all of that with you. There were so many things they didn't understand. The Spirit of God yet to come would help them understand. And the Spirit's number one priority is to glorify Jesus His number one priority for us is that we be witnesses to the only message that Jesus has ever promised to build on. It's the one that Peter declared in Matthew 16 when he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. It is the only message that he has ever promised to build and to bless. And when we don't have that message coming out of us on a continual basis, when we're not participating and taking that message out on a continual basis, we find ourselves living a powerless life. Jesus says, I'm leaving, but I'm not leaving you alone. The spirit is coming. You go wait for him. He says to those disciples on the Mount of Olives. And so they go down to Jerusalem and they wait for a few days. And there would be no doubt that Jesus kept his promise. Those followers are sitting in an upper room in Jerusalem somewhere. And then suddenly the the Bible says that the wind started blowing, the house started to shake and something that looked like tongues of fire appeared to begin to get distributed on the people in the room. Something like tongues of fire, not literal tongues of fire. We don't know what it was to try to imitate it or to explain it. It's foolish. We don't know. But what we do know is this. There was clear evidence that Jesus had kept his promise. And that the spirit of God had come. And then hear this now. From that moment on, from that entrance on, the people inhabited by that spirit are supposed to be the evidence. And they become the evidence by their joy, by their boldness, by how they treat each other, 
And those people in the first century, other people were looking with them with, with favor and with awe that something amazing had happened here. And Peter explains that if you need this power in your life, then you need to receive this promise. In Acts 2, 38, he says to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord God has called to himself. This promise, this opportunity to have power in your life, unlike anything else that this world has to offer, is available to every single person on the planet. The Holy Spirit is for you, and this power is for you. If you would but put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, if you haven't done that, then you will have a life infused with the same joy and confidence as these first century believers had in those early moments as you make every area of your life about glorifying Jesus. It's available to everyone who receives this message by faith. Romans 8 says the Spirit will remind us that we're children of God continually. He will remind us that we're heirs with Christ. He will help us in our weakness. He'll help us when we pray. He'll unite us so closely with the resurrected Jesus that we'll have a life marked by two of my favorite words in all of Scripture. Romans 8 verse 37, it reads this way. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. In the good circumstances and the bad circumstances, you will overwhelmingly conquer because your life is marked by the resurrected Jesus. That's the power that's been made available to everyone. So is your life today, can your life be described with those two words, overwhelmingly conquer? If you believed it, if at some point in your life you've committed your life to Christ. You've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It is not just about the hereafter. It is not just about some glorious morning somewhere. It is about having power in your life every single day. The Spirit came to glorify Jesus. When your life becomes about anything but that, you stifle the promise and you experience a power outage. Ephesians 5 gives us a whole list of things that cause a power outage, that unplug us from the Holy Spirit. But I want you to look at how Ephesians 5 starts out in the message. He says this, he says, watch what God does and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents, mostly what God does is love you. Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. Love like that. He loved us so that we would experience a life like any other. Our opportunity, our invitation, as we've heard already in this series, is to respond to the love of Jesus Christ to live it out the way he intended. And Ephesians 5 goes on with quite a list of things that unplug us from the power that cause major power outages. And there's things that perhaps have been a part of your life in the past, perhaps are part of your life right now that the apostle Paul mentions. He's, he's mentions things like immorality, impurity, greed, coarse or filthy talk. He calls a lot of, he says that there are some things that are just unfruitful deeds of darkness and disgraceful to talk about. I mean, a lot of addiction issues get hidden in the dark. A lot of hurts, a lot of pain gets buried in the dark. In the dark, there's no light. 
In the dark, you can forget how much you're loved by God. You can forget about the extravagant love of Jesus to the point where you cannot live it out, where you cannot respond to it. In the dark, you can forget that you are a child of God. You are as much a child of God if you put your faith and trust in him than those early believers who were plugged into a power source. That power is available in your life, but you've got to plug into the light of Christ. So the apostle picks it up in Ephesians 5, 14. He says something he's already said in Ephesians. He says, wake up. Awake. O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. He says, some of you have got so much impurity, so much sin in your life. Some of you have been unplugged for so long. You haven't been living out that Jesus is the Christ, the Son, the living God. Some of you have been asleep for so long that you, it's like you are dead, completely dead. But you receive power in your life. When you grab hold of the fact that the primary purpose of your life is to carry the name of Jesus and to declare with your words and with your life that Jesus Christ, the savior of the world, the son of the living God, that is to be our primary purpose. It's the only thing he has ever promised to build. It's the reason why we've been called sons and daughters of God. We're supposed to have this message on our lips. The spirit of God wants to propel us out to declare Jesus while sin tries to keep us in. Pastor Louis Giglio says it this way. He says, it's interesting that sin ends with a two-letter word called in. And so the result of sin in my life is inward focus, inward investment, inward comfort, inward thinking, what I want to do, how I want to live, what I think is right, my opinion, my point of view, my deciding what I want to do with my energy and my schedule and my gifts and all the other things in my life, that is the result of sin. Sin always turns in. So what's the opposite of in? Out. You got it. Very good. You were thinking it. You just didn't say it out loud. You thought that time was over, but it's okay to keep going. The opposite of in is out. And the opposite of being me-focused is to be he-focused. And so the antidote to a life of sin and darkness, and most importantly, the antidote to a life of powerlessness is to carry Jesus out wherever I live, work, and play. The second part of Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says this, Be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth, wherever you go, by your words and with your life, you declare Jesus and the power comes on in your home, in your neighborhood, in your school, at your job. He has sent us out into the world with the same power that he put on display through his miracles and with the same power that raised him from the dead. And you can experience that in every area of your life when you recognize that he has put you in those places. You were not just born into a family. God sent you to that family. You didn't just get married to that spouse. God sent you to them and sent them to you. You didn't just find a job. God sent you to that job. You didn't just find a house. God sent you to that street where you live. As a church, as a corporate body, we have a co-mission together that Jesus has given us to become fully devoted followers and then to carry him out to our Jerusalem, to our Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. There's lots of layers of this command, but some of it is certainly geographical. So we say it this way. We want to carry out Jesus to our community to our country, and to our world. 
So we encourage one another to be involved in our local Jerusalem, the poor and oppressed here in our own community, Northwest Atlanta and the city of Atlanta. That's why we encourage one another to open our eyes to the opportunities to carry the name of Jesus to places like our local schools. So students, when you're dropped off or when you pull on that campus, tell yourself, God has sent me here with the message of Jesus and pray that the spirit would give you power to carry that name. When you go out into a ball field in this community, you need to get out of your car and tell yourself that God sent you to that ball field with the message of Jesus and pray that the spirit would give you the power to carry that name. That's why we work with nonprofits and Paulding and Cobb and the city of Atlanta. We want to help display the power of God in our city and have the name of Jesus carried in every corner. That's why we plant churches. That's why God has put this on Pastor Brian's heart so strongly. And we invite you to go with us on on trips to support these church planners because we believe that we want to be obedient to this co-mission of Jesus Christ to carry him into Judea and Samaria. For us, that's our country. We want the power of God to be displayed in those cities and have the name of Jesus carried into every corner. That's why we're in Boston. Did you know that there are more unreached people in Boston than Burkina Faso, percentage-wise? People call it post-Christian I don't believe in post-Christian. I believe in pre-Christian because I believe when the power of God shows up through his people that Jesus is about to do a work and we might see a whole city turn back around if God's people will carry his power and declare and carry his name with them. That's what we're all about. It's why we support missionaries and invite you to go with us to places like Cuba and Guatemala and Spain and Burkina Faso and Alaska and more because in obedience to the command of Jesus, we go from Westridge Church to the ends of the earth. That's what he asked us to do. And he promised us power if we would plug into it. That's what we get. What is the value add to my life? That's what people love to ask. I get these invitations to do things. What value is added to me? What is the return on my investment in the life of Christ? Power. The same power that Jesus himself displayed through his miracles. The same power that split the sea so they could walk right through it. The same power that conquered the grave lives in you for you to overwhelmingly conquer if you would but make your life about carrying the name of Jesus with you wherever you go, wherever you live, work, and play. I was reading in my own devotional time this week, Amos chapter five, verse six. It's as simple as this. Seek the Lord and live. Seek the Lord and live. Truly live. Take hold of the life that is truly life. If you will get off the sidelines of the Christian life, you'll find meaning and purpose and power that you've not yet experienced. And if you're not experiencing it today, it's because there are areas of your life where you're not fully committed to this fact that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. Why does what we do here on Sunday morning matter? Why do, why does Sunday worship matter? Because in putting our attention on Jesus through praise and worship, we plug ourselves into the power of the spirit of God who says his number one purpose here is to glorify Jesus. So when we are glorifying him together, the spirit of God is activated. 
Why does your spiritual walk matter? Why does it matter that you open God's word? Why does it matter that you pray individually and as a family? Why does it matter that you get in a group with another group of believers? Because the word of God brings this power off the page and gives you everything you need in ways that we cannot even begin to quantify to be able to carry the name of Jesus wherever you live, work, and play. And the spirit is promised when we pray. What does it matter whether or not you put your life in play to serve in the local church or to to serve in the local community or go on a trip because it's putting your purpose to declare Jesus with your words and with your life in ways that cause you to depend on and listen to the spirit in ways that you otherwise would not be able to do or have to do. Understanding that this is the purpose. This is what God has commanded us to do will unlock power in your life. And if life feels powerless, if you're needing that stick of dynamite and you're hoping there was a giveaway at the end of the service today, I'm telling you, if you're a believer in Jesus, it is already within you. The same power that conquered the grave is in you. I was sitting at that grave the first of June. Back the first week of June, I had the privilege of going with a, a few of us from here to tour Israel. And one of the last things we did on that trip is we went to the site that is held as the traditional garden tomb. We don't know that this is the actual tomb where Jesus resurrected from, but I do know this one is empty, so it helps me. We know that people were coming back to this place as early as the third century, perhaps as early as the second century and worshiping here, which would not have been what what God wanted them to do, but they were coming back to acknowledge this place and this empty tomb. I didn't know what I would experience here, to be honest. I hadn't been before. We had the tour guide who gave us the the down low on on the garden tomb and why that person particularly believes that this is the, the place where Jesus was laid. We're sitting there, we're walking around, and we've got the place really to ourselves now as a group. And I just went and I sat down on a bench that's been made out of the rock. I sat down and I just wept. I want to show you a picture of, of this moment. I think my wife caught that. I'm supposed to be one of the guides like leading the trip, right? This is the perspective of the trip leader. Overwhelmed in this place. Now I I want to put the next picture up. Because this was my view from that bench. And I want you to sit in it with me for just a moment. Would you just sit there with me for a second? And would you just look at the empty tomb with me? Just look at it for a few moments, will you? Keep the, keep the picture up, gang. I'm sitting there weeping with the reality that with my mouth, I have confessed Jesus. But how many times have I lived my life outside of the fact that that tomb is empty and the same power that conquered the grave lives in me. How many times have I given my life to lesser things? That's what went through my head. 
that what go, that's what goes through it now. And it's deep conviction. That tomb is empty. And the same power that conquered the grave lives within us. And if we would but live out that power, if we would kick off the power outage in our churches and in our homes, the world would not be able to contain the church. We would march, the gates of hell would not be able to prevail against it. We would not be able to build buildings large enough. We would not be able to build parking lots large enough. We would not be able to build children's spaces large enough because everyone would be coming to see the power of God on display. So church, may we repent if we need to for anything that has kept us from displaying that power. The same power, it's there in your marriage. It's available if you're both believers in Jesus Christ. It's there for you. It's there for your kids. It's there for you. It's there for those people that you go to work with. It's there. Don't let anything create a power outage in your life. Plug in all the way. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment? If you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, two weeks ago, 40 people prayed on Sunday at a Westridge church service to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And if you weren't here that day or you were here that day and you passed it up, can I tell you, the same power that conquered the grave is available to you. If you would but give your life to Jesus Christ, the scriptures teach us that the Holy Spirit then inhabits us immediately and we become the evidence of this empty tomb. He has come and died for the sins of man, all mankind, every man, woman, and child, and been resurrected to conquer those things. If you have never put your faith and trust in that right now, would you do it right now? Would you pray with me in your own words right now? Say, God, I confess that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. I give my life to you right now. I confess that I mess up, that I have shortcomings, that I have lived powerless, that I have lived in darkness. But I give my life to the one who has risen from the dead today. And I commit to walking this out, to living this out as best as I can. God, would you teach me how to do this? If you're here today and you prayed to put your trust in Jesus Christ, would you please, would you take a card that you were handed when you came in today? Would you take it? Would you fill it out? Would you let us know that you prayed to receive Christ? If you didn't get one of those cards, would you go to our help center immediately after? Would you fill that out? Because one of the most crucial things we can do as a church is come alongside someone who has just put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Now with every head bowed and every eyes closed, believers, followers of Jesus, the same power that conquered the grave lives in you. Are you living that out? How often have you given your life to lesser things? Let's not do it anymore. I confess that I've done it. I don't want to do it anymore. There's things that I've repented of. I have the privilege of repenting in the garden tomb. I want to invite you right now. If you need to repent in this place, you can come down forward and pray. You can do it in your chair. You can do whatever you want to do. But I want you to right now, I want you to say, God, I lay aside 
every weight and I'm focusing my eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of my faith, the resurrected Savior who I've said I believed in. I want to live this out. God, teach me how to live this out in a different way today. Teach me how to live it out with power. In my home where I fail, on the street where I live, where at times I have failed, in my job, where at times I have failed, on the ball field, where at times I have failed, in my kids' school, where at times I have failed, where at times I have given my life to lesser things. I repent, I turn, I go the other direction. I'm running away from that, God. I'm running right to you. God, would you teach us how to live out this power? May we not resist or quench the Holy Spirit. May we be wide open as your people, just as your people who walk down the hillside from the Mount of Olives into Jerusalem. God, we say, Holy Spirit, come. We say, Holy Spirit, we know that you have come. We know that you have inhabited the lives of of those of us who've put our faith and trust in Christ. Now we invite you to turn the power back on. May there not be a power outage at Westridge Church but may we be fully alive in Christ. In the name of our resurrected Savior, we pray, amen. Would you stand to your feet with me? Would you stand up? All right, you've been talking to me. I want you to repeat this after me, okay? With your preacher voice. The same power. Oh my goodness, hang on. What have I been doing for 35 minutes? Hang on. The same power. Closer. That conquered the grave. Lives in me. I love those of you that just did the hand motion. I didn't mean to do that. But if you need to do that, you can do that. Let's try it one more time. The same power. That conquered the grave lives in me I'm a part of a church lives in we lives in we if there is anything you need to do if you need to confess anything before God just say God I need you to turn the power on would you come and would you pray and say God turn the power on if you need the power turned on in your marriage today would you pray and say come on down say God would you turn the power on any area of your life would you say God come on turn the power on today God turn the power on I ask the guys to lead us in this song it's years old But now you know it. I just gave you the words. So can we sing it with all the intent of our hearts, knowing that the power of God is within us. May we glorify Jesus with our lives wherever we live, work, and play. Let's sing this out. The same power that conquered the grave lives in me. Are you ready to sing it? Are you ready to declare it? Come on, church. Let's do it. Come on.